Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, good, good, good. Perfect. How is everything? That's good, man. Oh, one, one second. Hey, okay. David. David, you can't come in here, buddy. Hey, <laughs> Whitney, can't come in here. Yeah. Sorry about that, Eric. My little two-year-old wanted to join the call. It's okay. It's okay. So, is your family okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all. Everyone's good. Yep. They're just. Cool. Everyone's just waking up from their naps. Not me, but. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're good. No, no. I was just running running errands. How are you how are you doing, Eric? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. You're in you're in Taiwan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been here before? I have never been there, no. I'd like to one day, but Cool. Probably after the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, I would think so. So do you like things in Canada? Yeah, yeah, I actually I grew up here. Um, in Canada before moving down to Arizona for better part of a decade. And so, um, yeah, it's good to be home. My wife's Canadian too. So um, we cool. definitely, we enjoy it. It's a bit different than Arizona, but we're happy to, happy to be back. Cool. So I, I, I've been following you for a long time and I know you've been working at Exos before. But still, can you like introduce yourself for the coaches who didn't know you that much? Yeah, totally. So, yeah, my name is Jonathan Barlow. Um, yeah, I grew up in Canada. I was a multi-sport athlete, and um, basically, when I was young, I loved I loved like teaching, um, and I would always loved helping my buddies out in different sports, and had a love for athletics. And so, people said, "Hey, you should." become a teacher. And like, I don't really want to be in a school. Um, and got pointed to a place in Victoria, uh, here in British Columbia called the Pacific Institute for Sport Excellence. It was kind of, it was just starting up back then, but it was basically a small, a small setting, like cohort setting, uh, where they had, um, different sorts of programs, exercise and wellness, whatnot, to get people kickstarted in the health and wellness industry. And that's kind of where I learned about strength and conditioning. So, I did a couple of years of school down there um, and then got connected with um, Athletes Performance down in Phoenix, Arizona, now Exos, and did an internship there in 2011. Um, had some really good mentors, got to work with some awesome athletes and was very fortunate enough to stick around there. Um, and so just finished uh, basically working just over a decade with now Exos um, as one of their performance specialists there. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my run. You know, while I was with Exos, worked with a wide range of athletes, anywhere from high school to just, you know, regular adult folks to, um, you know, the kind of last five, set last seven years there, headed up our NFL or their NFL combine program, as well as various uh, professional off seasons. So that's kind of a, a, a quick take on uh, my history in the industry. So, I I saw a video called like Welcome the Rookies. I, I I forgot the name. Anyway, it's a, it's it's about the NFL rookie prepare for their com combine. And I saw you like like training DK Metcalf, right? Yeah, yeah. He was one of the athletes that 
um, we trained. There's been a lot of those, a lot of, a lot of NFL combines. <laughs> like we, we would have about 40 to this past year, we had 54 athletes. Oh. So, um, yeah. So, but yeah, DK was one of, DK was one of the athletes that we were fortunate enough to work with. And that was kind of before really anyone knew who DK Metcalf was. Yeah. That was cool. So I, I, I've been to like Exos, Arizona before, like, I think it's like two years ago or like three years ago to do the performance mentorship, like, yeah, phase two and phase three. Yeah. And I know you guys has your own like training system. Like it's, I think it's called the Exos framework, right? Yep. So can you like, it's kind of like introduce what is the training system and how do you like program the details? Yeah. Um, so like the big, the training system is made up of four pillars, movement, mindset, nutrition, and recovery, uh, which basically tries to ensure people understand that good training is a holistic, takes a holistic approach right? It's not just how much weight you lift. It's not just your speed. It's not just how well your body moves. Um, it's everything from the head to the body to what you're putting into yourself. Um, so that's kind of like from a, a big thousand foot viewpoint, the four pillars. And then um, the area that, you know, I specifically worked in or, you know, kind of dabble in all of them a little bit, but was the uh, movement piece. And so, yeah, I think your question, you know, how do we, how do we come up with the right training program? I mean, there's, there's many different tools we have at our, to our exposure. There's the um, Exos training system, which is a whole laundry list, everywhere from, you know, pillar prep, what we do to warm up to how we, um, you know, ramp our warm up and movement prep to apply metrics and medicine ball work, movement skill, you know, strength, power, all that sort of stuff. And um, so there's, there's this kind of big, list of things we can, you know, run through in our program. I think um, as coaches, the important thing we need to do is be selective. And um, instead of just doing every single thing on the list every day, um, look at what on the list we need to do to induce the correct stimulus to have the athlete we're working with change. Um, And that's really it is each, each athlete is an individual. Um, and they need specific things, right. To get them to where they need to be. Uh, I even, you know, often use the example, people might come and say, Hey, what's your basketball program look like? Well, there really is no specific basketball program because you could have two different basketball players who need completely different things. You could need, have the one basketball athlete who, you know, he is a little overweight, hypermobile. So he might need something totally different than the really stiff, you know, under underweight kid who needs to bulk up and gain weight. Right. So um, I think that's one thing Exos does really well is they have a really good framework, uh, but then they also allow for a lot of individualization from the coach and allow, allow the coach to select the right pieces within the Exos methodology to benefit the athlete. Cool. I, I used to train with, I used to train a tennis ball player which is from Taiwan, but he said like probably like ten years ago he were he was able to like 
stay at Arizona and train in Exos for like three or four weeks. Oh. Uh, yeah, and he's a, and it, it was like a special experience because I think he worked with like baseball athletes. I I, I remember I I kind of like didn't the really trainer remember. No, no, like athletes. He worked with tennis, baseball athletes. So for me, it's it's like special experience. Yeah, was it? Uh, that was a tennis player you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. So, the next thing is like, because I know you you guys was not really a big fan of like force plate, but I think these two years you guys did a lot with like new technology, right? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think we're, we were definitely a little bit late into the force play game. Um, but let's see, for the last like, year, um, I, I keep on saying we, I'm not a part of Exos anymore, but um, for the last year, Exos has been using Vault um, from a force play standpoint. And then for the three years prior to that, we actually, uh, you know, we didn't put, do a ton of media about it, but we were working quite heavily with Sparta, Sparta Science and their force platforms. Um, and so, yeah, in the last probably four years, we have been doing quite a bit of that. Um, and, you know, the first couple of years were just a lot of our own kind of internal research, just trying to see how we wanted to um, apply the learnings we've taken from the force plates uh, and really just make sure we knew what we're doing before we, you know, use it with our professional and collegiate athletes. Um, and then the last, you know, two, three years, we've done a lot more implementation and uh, been able to see some um, direct carryover, get some really good insights from that data and have it, you know, reflect on the training floor. So from, so what kind of data you use or you're going to look into when it comes to like force plate? Yeah. Um, a lot of the things we were doing um, this past year for the NFL combine, uh, was basically trying to, uh, like the 40 yard dash is the big, I mean, literal moneymaker in the NFL combine. And so we would be trying to basically, um, you know, we're always trying to identify where someone needs to improve the most in the 40, whether it's the start, whether it's the transition, whether it's their top end speed. Um, and, you know, basically categorize athletes as either really good starters, really good finishers, or are they more of a strength-based athlete or more of an elasticity-based athlete? Um, and so, you know, for many years, we'd be doing that with our eyes and having conversations with fellow coaches. Hey, I think this guy needs more elasticity. Hey. And so we still want to have those conversations, right? Um, because the coaches, I argue even, you know, the coach's input is even more important than the technology. But now the nice thing is we can use the technology to uh, kind of, you know, cross check and double check to make sure that what the coaches are saying is actually lining up. And so, um, you know, examples of how that would work is, you know, say we'd be looking at the 40 yard dash. Um, we'd find someone who did not have a satisfactory back 20. So say a skill, say a skill player was above 1.90 seconds, right? We say, all right. So that we think, you know, it's either a mechanics thing, a body composition thing, or, you know, it could be a force production thing, mainly elasticity. Cause we know the back half of that 40 is more of an elastic component. And so then we'd, we'd cross reference to make sure to look at our RSI reactive strength index. And so say if they're, you know, if their back half 20 was 
greater than 1.90, and then they're at a poor RSI value. I don't have the values in front of me, but poor RSI values redeemed. Then be like, hey, this guy needs more elasticity plyos. He needs more continuous, more, you know, if it's not a mechanics thing. Um, conversely, on the other hand, right, we might have someone who, you know, we, we had one guy this year, he was, man, he came in at like a, a low 4-4 four, four on, uh, which is really fast to start training, but his 10-yard split was like a 1-6-4, which is really quite slow. Um, and then we looked at his non-counter movement and his uh, displacement, yeah, from like a paused static position, and he was quite poor at displaying force similar to like his RSI and his counter movement depth jump measures. So again, that's another, you know, opportunity to see this guy needs more, um, needs more velocity based work from a, like from static positions um, opposite someone who might need more um, very elastic, you know, counter movement, um, highly ballistic movements. So just, you know, trying to use the sports science there to, um, cross-reference and just really double check to make sure that the, you know, the insights we are seeing with our eye on the field uh, and we are, you know, taking from times, whatnot are really, really lining up. So that's the, that's kind of the biggest area we used it this year is just to see, um, you know, lining up their non-counter movement jumping with their um, start of their 40 and then their RSI counter movement jumping with the back half of their 40 to just try to get some good um, profiles on their acceleration capabilities um, and it worked, it worked quite well. At, um, and then, you know, and we'd also, we've also done some things in the past with Sparta science. That's a bit different of a platform, but, um, that's when we started on before we transitioned to Vault, and it, it helped us, um, look at basically guys who needed, uh, more deceleration capabilities, um, to not get injured guys who needed more, uh, force generating capabilities. And then a very interesting thing for a lot of the very twitchy athletes, which is most of the NFL, um, is seeing who needed to be able to produce force uh, basically over a greater range of motion. And so a lot of, a lot of like defensive backs, wide receivers, really like tight and bound up athletes, they can produce very high levels of force, but not over big ranges of motion. Um, and so that number one would increase the risk of injury. Uh, but it also, we found that a lot of those guys who could produce the high force, but not over big ranges, they would have a hard time fully expressing the power they had in acceleration and top end speed. So that's kind of a, a big laundry list, but uh, I guess, I guess you could sum it up as um, how we use force plates in the last couple of years, especially with combine is we still used our mind, right? What we've been doing all the time. And then I've been slowly trying to bleed in and trickle in um, what this data is saying, right? I think um, force plates are still quite new. Um, and I think they're a very useful technology that's going to be around for a long time. But we still have to give credit to the practitioners ourselves, right? And, and use both information together, not just operate completely out of what a force plate machine is telling me. Yeah. So it's like, because, like, I've been through Exos before, like, and at that time, it was, like, Tristan and Victor doing the education. Yeah. And there was, a, there was like, uh, the testing. It was, like, counter The performance jump. quotient? Yeah. Yeah, like, counter-movement jumps. 
jump versus like non current movement jump, right? Yep. It's kind of like the same thing, right? Yeah. Like with more data, and looking like at the force production and reaction index, like what what you just mentioned, just to make sure the the things you were trying to look before you have like force plates, right? Y- yep. Yeah. So we're looking at kind of yeah exactly those basic non counter counter and then um you know if there's guys that we're kind of have questions about we'll do a deep dive further in and you know if we're if we're thinking hey in his agility drills this guy's not decelerating very well okay let's look at some of the eccentric measures you know hey coming out of it you know in acceleration we notice he's not fully pushing off one leg to the other all right let's look at this let's do a further deep dive into the single leg uh, and, you know, see what the numbers say, you know, in terms of asymmetries there. So um, the nice thing, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Some of these uh, new force plates, especially Vol, they give you so much information, um, you know, which is really nice, but that's also a lot of us, it's not our full-time job just to sit and analyze force plate data. Right. And so sometimes it can be overwhelming to see all this sort of stuff. And so, I think, you know, with our first year with Vault, we had just tried to think like, okay, what can we uh, implement at a very simple, quick level and have change, you know? And then over time, let's start layering things in more and more and more. Um, and so I'm not used working with Vault personally anymore, um, now that I'm from Canada, but I'm excited to see where the Exos crew takes it. And, um, you know, I'll for sure be checking on them every year and just excited to take, you know, their learnings as they just get a bit more time to be able to experiment with it and um, toy around with it. Cool. So I know the, like for the NFL combine, the 40 yard dash is a big thing, right? Like what you just mentioned said money maker. So when it comes to like training 40 yard dash, what are the main thing you're going to be looking at? To improve it? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Combine prep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when guys come in, they do a, you know, they, we, if they're healthy, they do a pretest. And so we basically get an initial starting number off of them, say maybe a four, six, five, of their wide receiver would be a pretty average starting time, maybe a little better than average. Um, and then from there, how do we improve it? There's three main ways, right? Um, number one is they don't want to think about too much, but is their body composition. So, you know, we never, if whenever we're watching the Olympics, we never see a sprinter that's in double digit body fat, right? A male sprinter. They're always very, very lean. Um, and so obviously that's not possible with certain positions in football, right? If you're an offensive, um, defensive lineman, even a linebacker, you're most likely not going to be under 10% body fat, but the overall premise still holds true is that to run fast, we need to be lean. And so that's the first piece. And, the nice thing is at Exos is we had, you know, dietitians and chefs all on site. And so, you know, all the meals were catered to them. So that's the first piece. Second piece um, is the technical component. And that's where Coach Nick, uh, Exos Speed Coach, and I would be on the field making sure that from a technique standpoint, um, the guys understand and can demonstrate solid technique, whether it's acceleration, top end speed. Uh, it's not going to be perfect because you only have – you know, seven or eight weeks at best to work with them, but important that they understand and or it can, you know, perform some of those uh, positions routinely well and do it consistently. 
and then under pressure too, right? And then the third and final piece is like the strength and power um, component. And so making sure they have enough horsepower relative to their body size to be able to run fast. Um, and they can apply it in the right means. You know, we, we get some athletes who come from colleges where they did tons and tons of strength work or, you know, very, if they, you look on the force velocity side of the curve, it was very force dependent. Um, and they really haven't done much velocity work. And so they have just these huge strength reserves, but they cannot apply force fast enough to have it carry over to the 40 yard dash. Um, so it's our job to kind of be able to analyze that and to quickly see what an athlete needs um, and, you know, give them some sort of individualization to make sure that their weight room strength, speed, power work does carry over to the 40. So kind of a long way to answer your question, but it's really threefold how you get faster in the 40. It's being lean enough to run fast. It's having decent technique. Doesn't have to be perfect because you see a lot of ugly technique at the combine, but decent technique. And then you have to have crazy amounts of relative body power and speed. Um, that's, 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 you know, there's guys who, there's guys who run fast, not being super lean. There's guys when have pretty bad technique, but you have to, if you, you know, those guys want to run fast times, you have to be crazy, crazy powerful. That's like the one non-negotiable. You, you can't, you can't finesse a four, three. So, uh, in the Excel's training system or like the framework, I know it's like, uh, you have like four days, like different chain, like, you have like four different focus you'd be training like uh acceleration yep. and multi direction on the second day and max speed on Thursday but yeah, Thursday and Friday was would be another multi directional day, right? Correct. Is it is it the same with combine prep? No, it's not. And that's and that's where it's like kinda like there's the there's the system of training speed, training movement, right? And then it's up to the practitioner and the, the coach to determine how you adjust that. And so um, for the NFL combine program, the, you know, there are still like change direction and multi-directional drills there, but they don't, you know, ne- they don't come nearly as important as any of the 40 yard dash does. And so we basically train the 40 yard dash uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and then, on Tuesday and Thursday, we train multi-direction, but a lot of those times we'll take one Tuesday or Thursday and swap it to another uh, like technical linear speed session. So we're usually doing linear speed three to four times a week and multi probably once, maybe twice a week. So basic like training sprinters. Not really. Exactly. Yep. That's, that's, no, it's really, I mean, that's really what it is. We, we tell the athletes, they, you know, for eight weeks, they're not a football player anymore. They're a track and field athlete. You know, so your goal is to be lean, jump really high, run fast, be able to bench a lot of reps. So that's you know? why, I, yeah. So that's why I like look at like different, even if, even it's like different, like training system or like different facilities, like the same. Every, everyone's training like linear velocity a lot. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, especially for especially for combine, just because it's it's such a novel skill for most of the athletes, they haven't really been exposed to it very much, um, and so you know, seven eight weeks is a very short period of time if you want to get anything done. 
you gotta you gotta spend a lot of time on one one thing cool so uh is it is it the same with like combine prep that you divided like divided speed into like acceleration and top end speed into two different days or like yeah, yeah. great question yeah on uh we do on Monday, Monday is kind of a bit of like a shakeout day where, you know, they're usually not, even though they had rest on Sunday, they're usually not at their optimal just because they're a little sluggish after having a day off. And so it's Monday is usually a day where we work technically on starts um, and then might do a little bit of, might mix in a little bit of technical work on the curve in there as well, um, just for some top end speed. Wednesday's a top end day and then Friday's strictly an acceleration day. So Monday, 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 we call it a combo. We do a little bit of both, very technical. And then Wednesday is full speed, top end. Um, and then Friday's full speed starts. So Monday's more like activation and then the re, you're going to retrain next speed on Wednesday and Friday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then depending on where we're at in the program on a Tuesday or Thursday, we might, you know, do a technical session too, just working on their three-point stance or their starts or something of that nature. Um, but that's kind of, you know, as we see fit throughout the program. Cool. So uh, I used to translate for Brock, Brock Christopher when he was in Taiwan, like doing the education. And it's kind of like the same thing he said, like on the first day of the train of, of the week you kind of do something to like activate your athletes it's kind of cool yep why is it why is it not like uh doing the most heavy or like most tax most taxing thing on the first day yeah good yeah good question we uh you know we used to do that because we thought you know after after a day off they'd probably be the most fresh um and while you know from like a tissue standpoint they would be the most fresh because they haven't done anything. Um, nervous system wise, it just seemed like they were always a little sluggish. And so we even timed them, you know, we did some timing on Mondays in the previous years and times were never there. <laughs> you know, they would come in on a Monday. We'd, you know, have hyped up the guys cause they, Oh, you guys are fresh. You guys are feeling good. But well, lo and behold, the times aren't there. Um, and then later on in the week after they're fatigued on a Friday, they're beating their Monday times. So, really think it comes down to the nervous system just being a little bit lagging behind and not firing all cylinders. And so um, making the switch to, you know, our basically our biggest timing day and training day of the week is on a Wednesday. And it really kind of takes the pressure off the guys early in the week. They can kind of shake off the cobwebs and then be full gas for Wednesday. Cool. Cool. Love it. So I know you like left exos like, uh, last month, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And you just mentioned you stayed there for like 10 years, right? So how was the 10 years and what do you learn the most? That's a great question. Um, well, I think the fact that I stayed there 10 years kind of shows how much I enjoyed it. Um, it was awesome. I mean, when I, when I was leaving there, it was, it was hard. I told my wife, I, I think I shed more tears my last day there than I did on our wedding day. Um, but 
I mean, it's the reason it's great is, you know, of course they have awesome facilities and whatnot, but for some reason, Exos just brings in, I mean, it attracts awesome people and the culture there is just contagious. Like you were there, right? Like you walk in the doors and you can't help but have a smile on your face. And that's, that's the, that's, that's how it is every day. Right. Um, The athletes love being there. People love being there. It's just a really fun place to work. And so, um, so yeah, I absolutely love my 10 years there. And what, what did I learn the most? Oh, um, yeah, I think from a, from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, I went in there thinking, and as most of us do, like, we're so excited about what methods we can learn, right. And what science we can uncover. And, um, you know, that's what we're really diving after. Uh, but I think, you know, to deliver a truly good experience for athletes and one that actually is beneficial, it's, it's not just about having the best science. It's about having a place where people enjoy themselves. Right. Um, and a lot of times people think that these pro athletes are just like so internally motivated and they're so driven and they're just like, they'll do anything to gain the slightest edge in performance. Right. And for most of them, that's not the case. They're like you or I who like roll out of bed and are like, Oh, I don't really want to train today. You know, like, or like, Oh, like I'm a little tired or, Oh, I kind of want to go have that hamburger or beer, whatever. Right. They're just like normal people like us. And so really the magic is not in creating like, you know, the craziest program in the world. The magic is in creating an environment that they want to be part of and they want to show up to daily and have fun. Right. And so I think it doesn't mean you, do, you need to have good methods, of course. Uh, but I think so much we try to figure out what the best method is. Right. When the reality, we need to find out ways to get them to show up and have fun and like put their best foot forward. And so I think that's probably, you know, the biggest learning I had. And there's, you know, there's many ways to do that. Right. And people write books about it. And, um, you know, there's different ways for behavior change and getting to know different types of people. But at the end of the day, you got to love people and care about them. Right. And if you, cause if you, if you love them and care about them, you'll want to do, you know, what's best for them. And that's coaching, right? Coaching is, is not, you know, it's not figuring out the best velocity based training system. It's about caring for people. Right. Um, and when we care for someone, we'll do what, whatever's needed to help them get better. And that's what coaching is, right. Doing whatever's needed to help someone improve. Um, and so, yeah, I found, you know, in the front end of my time with Exos, I worked with a lot more like high school and college athletes and the, the back end the last probably five, six years, it was, pretty much all pro athletes. Um, and a lot of times you can't blame them, but once, you know, athletes have been in the pros for quite a while, some of them can lose their drive to train a little bit. You know, he might be their 15th strength coach in the last seven years. Right. Um, and to them, they just love playing basketball and don't really love lifting weights, you know, and I don't blame them for that. Right. Like not everyone needs to love training. Uh, but as a coach, you see that there's a lot of value to training, whether it be the actual, the lifting portion, the conditioning, the mobility, whatever it is. Um, and so how is, you know, how is their coach? Um, do you frame it differently for them and help them see the importance and, you know, create a, a space where they want to be there. And that's, that's the fun part, right? Um, because people, people probably asked you before, like, you know, who do you love to coach the most? And an easy answer is, Oh, whoever wants to be there and work hard. Like, but that's so easy to coach those people, right? It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't take a great coach to coach someone like that. And so yeah. um, 
over over my career, it started changing. Like I still love working with those people. It's because it's it's fun and it's enjoyable. But it's also it's also fun when you get someone who might be a more challenging case and might not you know love training. They might not love doing things that are not their sport. And you know it actually takes a good coach to get to know them and care for them and listen to them and and you know be able to provide things they need um, and actually enjoy too. Cool. So is there like is 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 there gonna be some athletes and you're gonna be like uh some performance coach at the team like you have to like text them and to like talk to them about like what they're they're going through at the moment if they're like some hard times for them? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, there's you know, there's athletes I'm I mean, so many athletes I'm very close with have got to know through crazy seasons of life um, that, I mean, that's part of it, right? Like, it's not just about providing them, um, you know, counsel or advice when you're on the training floor. It's about being a friend outside too. And so, um, yeah, there's there's numerous athletes I can, can think of who have been going through all different sorts of times in life. Um, and it's, it's fun. Some of them kind of invite you in to be a voice in that. Um, I know for, for a long time, Phoenix, my wife and I, we hosted a, like a Bible study at our house. And so a lot of the athletes would come to that um, and would really kind of share like, you know, things they were going through in life and hard situations. And um, it's fun to be, yeah, fun to be a part of that. And it's an honor to, yeah, just be able to share life with those, those folks, right? Like, end of the day, just because we watch them on TV doesn't make them any different than you or I, right? They're just, <laughs> they're the same person. They have, you know, high highs and low lows. They have insecurities. They have problems. They have everything just like you and I would, right? They still need to wake up and brush their teeth in the morning. So they're just oftentimes the people who need a friend, you know? Yeah. I just, I just got goosebumps, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because I, I, I kind of like felt it like, uh, if if somebody asks me what do I love my job the most is probably like going through different like different stages of life with my athletes and watch them grow or like grow with them. Real, I kind mm-hmm. I think that's. I mean, I love the training part. I love reading or like learning, or like talk to different coaches. But the most. I think the most important thing or like the thing I enjoy the most is like growing with my athletes and hang out with them and talk to them. Totally. Yeah. Be part of their lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, why or what, like, why do you left Exos? Why do you leave Exos? Sorry. Yeah, no, no. The big, the big question. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. It kind of, in a bit of my wife and I's hearts for a while, um, you know, I really enjoyed all my time at Exos, like <laughs> nothing bad to say. Um, I felt like just for me, for my personal growth, it was kind of time to go uh, to the next venture. Um, and then also we have a, you know, we have, we have two small boys, we have a little family and just um, just thinking about, you know, what sort of environment do we want to live in uh, and be around? And I think, you know, we loved our time in Phoenix, but 
we wanted to get to a little bit of a smaller town, um, a little bit more like outdoors oriented. And so, um, yeah, just many, many reasons. Um, it just kind of, it was the right, the right time. And the next stage I knew, I knew as great as I, as much as I loved Exos, Exos wasn't the place I was going to be forever. Um, you know, just, we need to be able to grow and progress. And so I think, uh, yeah, it was just kind of the, the right time. Um, so professional and I guess family reasons for sure. So what is the future for you? Ah, great question. So, um, I wish I could just like tell everything right now, but, uh, basically I'll be, I'm in, uh, British Columbia, Canada, up in a village called the village of Cumberland. It's a very outdoors oriented village. I will be coaching. Um, still waiting to finish a couple things. Basically I'm starting a new business up here. Um, I'm waiting, still waiting uh, on a few things legally. And so I just can't say everything yet, uh, but going to be coaching, going to be having my own business and very excited about that. We, I can, I can say we have a couple athletes coming from Europe for the summer. Um, so that's very exciting. We have, yeah, we have a, a hockey player from Switzerland and a handball player from Germany. And so um, definitely excited about that, but I'll be sure to um, make a little posting about it, hopefully in the next day or two, um, just, you know, completely given all the details regarding, um, you know, my coaching to come up here in Canada. So, uh, what is the most like popular sport in Canada? Um, it's for sure. It's hockey. Uh, but basketball is basketball has been really popular, especially in like Ontario. Um, but yeah, hockey and basketball, there's tons. I mean, every the soccer is really popular. Volleyball There's lots of skiing tons of mountain biking so it's a very very active and outdoorsy place which is right cool. up kind of our alley hence why we moved, we moved here so it's it's gonna be like uh the time you're at exos training different types of athletes right yep yep and that's that's what i love i love one of my favorite things and yours, yours probably too is you know getting a, a new athlete from a sport you haven't worked with very much before right and you need to identify the needs of the sport and identify the athlete and see, you know, obviously they're good at their sport, but see what sort of holes or gaps there might be. Right. And so that's, that's one thing I'm excited here is just getting, you know, exposed to a few different athletes. Um, you know, some that I haven't worked with in a while, like maybe skiing or whatnot. So some good changes to come. Okay. Last question. Okay. Yeah. Hit me. So, I know, like, train different types of, like, pro athletes, like, like, football, basketball, and, like, uh, baseball, or, like, volleyball. So, what, which, ath like, which type of athlete you like the most, or you enjoy the most? Oh, like, what type of sport? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, that's a really hard question. I think I think one of the sports I I didn't get to train as much as I would have liked, but I enjoyed the most um, is hockey. S simply because it's 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 challenging because in their sport they need both high levels of strength, speed, and power, but then there's a huge energy system demand, too. Right where football is like there is an energy system demand, but it's not so much. And so you can kind of bias the strength, speed, and power a little bit more. 
Um, but I think hockey's fun because it's you kind of have to play in both worlds a little bit. And so from a, you know, from a scientist standpoint um, or from a programming standpoint, you have to be quite smart and aware of how much you do. Um, same thing with volleyball. Volleyball is fun in the same sense too, where it's, you got to balance the energy systems quite well. And you have, to, the athletes have to really uh, buy in and understand why they're doing things and why I shouldn't do this much, too, too much conditioning or why I shouldn't do too much of this or that. So I guess hockey, I don't know. I love training everyone. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Hockey's good. So that's why you're yeah. in Canada. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I love the sport. So, yeah. So, uh, I talked to like Bach before and Eric Dannenberg and who else I talked to? Oh, and Jay. Yeah, Jair. Yeah. So, all, all, all of you guys are like great guys. Really enjoy talking to you guys. Cool. Last right, well, thing. it was nice. It was it was awesome. Nice talking to you too, Eric. You asked good questions. Now, last thing, uh, yeah. If there are like coaches or athletes are interested in what we're talking about today, where can they reach out to? You? And yeah, that's all. Yeah, probably the best way right now um, to reach out is via Instagram. Um, my Instagram. I mean, you can probably find it on here. It's uh, J Barlow with two W's. Um, uh, and then once I get my new business up and rolling, they can reach out to me if they want via my business email, which I will be posting in the hopefully days to come. Um, so yeah, it's probably best. Cool. Let me know the, like the post will come. Okay. When will the, yeah, post yeah. Come? Man, I'm, 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 I'm hoping this week I'm, I'm waiting on one more call and then hopefully I can have the business go live. Cool. Cool. And. Probably a few months when you're available, we'll do this again, okay? Totally. Love it, Eric. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. It. Nice talking to you. You too. Have a good day, okay? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye.